0: So this winter and spring, we will embark on an in-depth study of the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We will read passages from Genesis with the permission of the bishop in our Sunday morning worship during this period of time. I want you to hear it in worship as well as in formation. These passages were carefully selected and will coincide with the lecture for the day. We are returning to the very first book of the Bible, to the inception of the relationship between God, humanity, and the Earth with an eye towards the events of our present day and with a hope for guidance for the future. For the human race is not living harmoniously with the Earth and its creatures and we must return to our roots and re-examine why we were made. For what purpose and the nature of our relationship with both God and with the world that God has made. It is my belief that the wisdom of the scripture lies in its ability to speak beyond time. Its ancient wisdom was meaningful thousands of years ago, and yet still relates directly into the present moment. It doesn't matter if you take the texts literally to be true or not. The fact is that the Bible contains a truth that is transformative and life-changing. Let me say that again. No matter how you understand these texts, whether you take them to be literally true, like there was an Adam and an Eve and they had two sons and then what happened, it's kind of hard to imagine. The fact is that the Bible contains a kind of truth that is transformative and life-changing, a deeper truth. It is God's word, not because a pen came down from heaven to write it, but because it was inspired by God through the minds and hearts of human beings. And because living in relationship with these stories can reorient us as to the reason we're here, why God made us, and what purpose we are called to serve in our time on earth. So buckle your seat belts. But before we get started, Let me acknowledge a primary resource that I have used for the development of this class. For the most part, I will be relying upon the new and formidable translation of the Hebrew Scriptures by Robert Alter. Professor Alter is a Hebrew professor from Canada. He is a Jew. He has spent the past 40 years of his life translating the Hebrew scriptures. 40 years. His scholarship of the Hebrew is deep and rich and insightful. He unpacks the language with a new and fresh insight, and I will rely on his perspective a great deal. He is a new and powerful voice in biblical scholarship. And anyone who spends that much time on a translation deserves our thanks, our acknowledgement, and our appreciation, right? That's one heck of a guy. Alters three volumes of the Hebrew Scriptures are available in the bookstore for those of you who are ambitious. However, I do not expect any of you to tackle them by yourselves. You can, but I will bring them to you in this, in this class. I will distill his wisdom and bring it to you here. Catherine Bessette has also compiled a good group of commentaries on the book of Genesis, should you wish to read further and more deeply during this class. However, given the frantic pace of your lives, I can promise you that there will be no homework and no grades. What I do ask of you is that you come to this class as much as you possibly can and that you sit together with the same or similar mixes of people at your round tables. We are also audio-taping these lectures, so if you want to share them with friends, there will be a podcast-type thing created out of this, this class. This class is designed not only to reflect deeply on the scriptures, but also to bind you together into a community that loves and cares for each other. And that helps each other to discern what God is calling you to do with your one wild and precious life. So come, listen, and share with honesty, with vulnerability. That is all I ask of you. Before we tackle the text itself, I want to reflect on what the Bible is and what it is not. Back in the days when in which Genesis was written, there was no such thing as a book, not in the way that we mean it today. No one produced a piece of writing that existed between two covers with a beginning and an end. There was no such thing. The closest Hebrew word we have to the word for book is sephir, which can be translated as Something recounted, or another translation might be scroll. A scroll was not some writing shut between two covers. It was an open thing. Additional swaths of scroll could always be added to it, stitched into it, which seems to have been very common in Bible times. There was an open-ended quality to the writing, it was still going on, always open to editions. It didn't end. A book at this time most often was assumed to come from an anonymous tradition. Authorship was not important back then. It was not understood as an individual's property or even important, that someone wrote it, or who wrote it, was not important until the time of the prophets. Scholars can detect different strands of authorship in the book of Genesis and in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Different writers would often refer to God by different names. Hence, scholars might refer to these various voices as the Yahwist or the Elohist, depending on whether the writer used the name Yahweh for God or the name Elohim for God. Scholars imagine that the Yahwist started the scroll first, and later the Elohist added writing, and then another source later came named the priestly source because they seem to like worship a lot. Alter says, enormous energy has been invested in discriminating the precise boundaries between one author and the next. And yet, the genesis that has come down to us is a beautiful and coherent piece of artistry I like to think of it as a mosaic or a tapestry. The myriad of authors and voices like threads are woven together to create a piece of extraordinary beauty. Like a choir of many voices that produces an otherworldly sound or as Alter describes, there are other works of art that evolve over the centuries like the cathedrals of medieval europe where they would build them by hand a little bit every century it's neat to think of the book of genesis as a cathedral isn't it it was a collage of textures of writing and because of the life of any one individual was not considered so important and was briefer probably than we have life today, the voices just sang together and over the centuries became a whole story, a witness of sorts. In other words, this Genesis is a work of art shaped by God through the audio and then literary voices of people who told an ancient story over and over and over again. And as a work of art, it must be approached not just with the intellect, but with the heart. It must be absorbed and felt and sensed. Another item which is essential in studying the Bible is the understanding of ancient language and the limits of truly accurate translation. The Hebrew language had so much fewer words than we have today. So when we translate the Bible from the Hebrew or the Greek into modern English, we take a massive ancient word that had all kinds of meanings and ramifications, and we are forced to select between, on average, Seventeen different precise English words. What happens when we translate the Bible? It is inevitable, it is unavoidable, that we will drastically limit its meaning. Let me show you physically. It's like we take a word like this. And we have to choose between, right? Right? There is no other way to translate, though. Let me give you an example. The ruach, right? That spirit of God that brooded over the waters. The ruach in Hebrew is a word that means wind, soul, spirit, storm, breath. Which one do you want to pick? Whichever one you pick, all the other ones are out, right? We just limited the translation drastically simply because we had to put it in English. We had to put it in some word, and the words are small and limited in their meaning. So to bring scripture into the vernacular, into the language of our day, is to shape and influence its meaning, because we have to decide which words to choose. It's unavoidable, and the person who translates makes that choice, and in doing so, interprets the text drastically. The the translator drives it into a limited sphere. We must always keep this in mind. This is why Bible study in community is so essential. When you struggle with the meaning of a verse of the Bible, don't just write it off or complain. Dig deeper. Examine the roots of the language. With the internet, language translation is so much more accessible to us even to those who have absolutely no foundation in the ancient language. So don't stop digging and unearthing. Translating these ancient scriptures is a bit like archaeology. We must dig deep to plumb the depths of its meaning. Genesis can be viewed as a series of concentric circles. It begins with the broadest circle, Reflecting on the origins of the whole world, of the vegetable and animal kingdoms, and of humankind, and then, as Alter describes it, the next concentric circle is a narrative explanation of the origins of all the known peoples, from Greece to Africa to Mesopotamia to Asia Minor, and of the primary institutions of civilization, including the memorable story about the linguistic division that occurred at the Tower of Babel. Remember the story of the Tower of Babel? We're going to go through that one. Then the circles condense again, and we begin to focus on one family, the ancestors of a nation. These ancestors are bound to and defined by the land in which they move and essentially reside. Their relationship with the earth makes them into who God calls them to be. This is the story not only of a people but of a land and of the God who created the two to live together in a relationship of mutuality and of love. This is the story of how God made us and made this earth It is the story of who we are and who God has always intended for us to be. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to give you enough to ponder every week and not too much because information overload is a big deal in these days. So now it's time for you to ponder and chew on what I've said. And I'm giving you some questions to guide you at your tables. Here are the questions to ponder this morning. What meaning have you found in reading the Bible? Why are you here in this class? The Bible was originally intended as an open-ended recitation or scroll. What does that tell you about the Word of God? Okay?